2 Corinthians in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, please, 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. We began last week our study of 2 Corinthians, we worked our way through 1 Corinthians after a number of weeks on Wednesdays, and we just carry on into 2 Corinthians now, so as we begin our study, um, we looked at the first verse last week, um, dealing with the will of God in our lives, and now we go forward as we consider the passages that God has for us to look at in the evening. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, and to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are uh, in all Achaia, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all, if you have your pen this evening, notice that phrase, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be, may be comfort, that, excuse me, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort, comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abounded in us, so our consolation also abounded by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye also be, excuse me, so shall ye also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. We'll stop right there and leave off our reading. Titled our time together tonight, The God of All Comfort. The God of All Comfort. If we were to put a theme on our text tonight, if we were just on the surface begin reading, there'd be several themes that we would point out and look at out of this particular passage of scripture, one of those themes would be that of suffering, that of tribulation, that of trials. Uh, out of these verses, we see this mentioned many times. Out of verse number four, we see tribulation, we see trouble. Out of verse number five, he mentions sufferings. Out of verse number six, he talks about being afflicted. Again, he mentions sufferings and uh, that those who suffer. Verse number 7, he mentions sufferings again. Verse number 8, he mentions troubles. These things, these troubles, these sufferings, these tribulations, they'd be a, a theme that's found out of these passages. But while we see them in the pages of Scripture, it's just as true, and not only do we see them here written, but it's just as true that there's such a thing as troubles and sufferings, afflictions, 
that are seen in the lives of people as well. In us. In you all. Many of you are here tonight after having dealt with troubles and trials and sufferings. Either just come out on the verge of going in. But these things are common to man. Much of the focus of our Wednesday night prayer meeting as we gather on Wednesday night is talking and dealing with people who are dealing with all manner of troubles and sorrows. We are praying for people. It's Wednesday night prayer meeting and we give praise to the Lord and we worship our Lord. But it's also a time to, we have a prayer list and on this prayer list, uh, front and back, it's nearly, it's just full and, and certainly it doesn't begin to even touch the, the amount that could be prayed for, needs to be prayed for, because it's dealing with just the trials and the sufferings that we go through in life. So, so Wednesday night is just a time of just a, a reminding of this. But I, I re, just remind you that Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. This is not some strange thing as though it has happened to us. Um, no one's exempt from these things. No one is above these things. When we become Christians, we maybe think that, well, all my troubles are gone. Well, the biggest trouble of sin, from the being bound to that sin, that bondage and that penalty of sin, certainly that is gone. But maybe after you become a child of God living in a world that hates God, your troubles may get even greater than ever before. Sometimes our troubles come in varied ways, but certainly they do come. You know, Jesus was not exempt from trials, from troubles. The Apostle Paul, he was not exempt from these kinds of things. The word tribulation in our text here is the, the idea of there is pressure, being pressed upon, uh, anguish, burdens, distress. Can anybody identify with any of that? The pressure, the burdens, the stress that comes into our lives. It's not if these things will come, it's when they come. Now, understand that when we see this word tribulation, it's not the tribulation of God's wrath that we're dealing with here. It's not the tribulation of God's wrath. God has not appointed the child of God to wrath. Uh, This tribulation that we see Of the wrath of God is found in Matthew chapter 24. And let me read you verse number 21. For then shall be great tribulation. Such as was not seen since the beginning of the world. To this time no nor ever shall be. And except those days be shortened. There shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake whose days shall be shortened. So the, trib- the tribulation that we see out of this passage is not the tribulation that will take place in the book of Revelation. We've not, the child of God will be raptured. The child of God will not go through that kind of tribulation. That being the wrath of God poured, about, poured out upon planet earth. Not what he's talking about here. But it is a trial. It is a testing of our faith. And these things are common unto man. It's the theme that's found out of this passage. But there's also another theme that's found in this passage. And I trust that you've already caught on to it. In the troubles, in the tribulation, 
The other theme, and I think it's the overarching theme, it is that of comfort. It's found here. Trouble. And he couples that, and as he's dealing with that, he brings in the idea, the truth of comfort. The word comfort is used ten times in this passage. If you take, which is the same word, when you take the word consolation, it's used in verses 5, 6, and 7. The idea of comfort here, the, the Greek behind it literally means to, to come alongside. To come alongside of another. Someone comes alongside to help you. To strengthen you. To come alongside. Webster defines it this way. That which gives strength or support in distress. Difficulty. Times of difficulty. Times of danger. Times of infirmity. That one that comes alongside and helps in these areas. It stands to reason that if. Trials and troubles are a normal part of life, then because of this, comfort is a needful thing in life. If the trials and troubles are going to be there, then there's a comfort that's needed in the midst of them. These comforts are what carry us through the comfort of God, they are what get us through. Comfort is what is to the fragile heart. It's that strengthening. The heart under the pressure. That comfort that comes alongside is that, is that holding up, that building up. The word here is periclesis. That's the word that's being used here. Uh, it's the root of that word is found in John's gospel and many other places. But it's dealing with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14 and 16, I will pray the Father that He shall give you another comforter. Not one of a different kind, but one of the same kind. That is Jesus Christ. I'll give you another another comforter that He may abide with you forever. Jesus again is talking about the Holy Spirit as being the comforter. Comfort is needed in troublesome times. So we find in verses 2 through 11 of our text tonight some of the most significant teaching on comfort. I believe found anywhere in the New Testament. And we see it, not only Paul teaching on it, but we see it illustrated. If we look through the, the, the letter of 2 Corinthians, we see it literally illustrated in the life of the Apostle Paul. In verse number 2. I want you to notice with me what we see in verse number 2. Let's look at this matter of comfort a moment, if we could. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we see in the very first part of that verse, we see the, the provision of comfort. The provision of comfort. He says, grace be unto you and peace. You might call it, these things, this grace and this peace are ingredients that make up comfort. When you make a pie or a cake or something along those lines that has ingredients that go in it. When we think about comfort, how do we describe comfort? Well, I think its description is found in these two words, these two words, and peace. 
Grace, first of all, is the favor of God bestowed upon us. It's the divine gifts of God imparted into our lives. That's grace. Grace that's greater than all of our sin. Unmerited favor of God. We didn't do anything to deserve grace. When we think about comfort, the comfort of God, it's divine grace. Grace is God's goodwill shown toward mankind. God's goodwill shown toward mankind. John 1 and 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace is found in the person of Jesus Christ. In that verse, John 1 and 14, God the Father is sending His Son. This is God's grace being shown to us. And the fact that He would send Him at all. Is God's grace. God the Father is sending His Son. Secondly, we not only see this matter of grace, the ingredient of comfort, but we see this other ingredient, if you want to call it that, it's the comfort, in part of comfort, is peace. Peace. His grace results in His peace. The peace of God does not guarantee, understand it does not guarantee the absence of all trouble. We know trouble will come, but the peace of God provides the rest and the quietness in the midst of the trouble. That's the comfort. It provides the quietness and the rest in the midst of the tumult, the drama, and all that's taking place. The battles will come, but the peace of God is the assurance That God will carry us through them. God will not leave us to do the best we can. He'll carry us through them. God's grace. It's it's the provision of comfort. It's seen in God's grace. It's seen in the peace that God gives in the midst of it. So that grace and peace is the provision. You might call it the ingredients that's found in comfort. Notice number two. Out of... Verses 2 and 3, we see the person of comfort. The provision, grace and peace, the person of comfort. Verses 2 and 3, again we'll read it. Verse 2, grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Here are, you might call, if the other were the ingredients, here are the individuals of grace. He mentions verse number 2, from God our Father. He mentions also in verse number 2, from the Lord Jesus Christ. He mentions in verse number 3, and the God of all comfort. He starts out verse number 3 with, Bless be God. And he ends it up with the God of all comfort. I believe here in this passage, we see the Trinity in this verse. We see the three in one mentioned out of this passage of Scripture. The Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort. The one that Jesus would pray that another comforter would come. 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He says, blessed be God. Which one? Yes. All of them. All of them. All these. The answer is that they are all God. Three in one. The person of comfort is God. All three included. All three acting. All three working in this matter of grace and peace in the time of comfort. Note also that we have maybe another ingredient to this matter of comfort. What is it? We mentioned grace and peace. But he says here out of verse number 3, mercies. Maybe here's another ingredient that we find that of comfort. God's mercy. It's fresh and new every day. It's not ending. It, it goes on and on. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. All the person of comfort. We think of mercies. We could go to many places in our Bibles. But in 2 Samuel chapter number 24. I'll read you a verse of scripture. Remember when David had sinned by numbering the people. And God came to David and he said. You shouldn't have done that. And he sent Gad. who was the prophet. He sent him to David. And he gave David a choice of punishments from God. Which of these would it be? Famine, running from your enemies, three days of God's wrath poured out upon you. Listen to what David said. As David thought all of this through, which would I choose if I'm going to have to suffer and go through the wrath of God? Which one of these would I choose? And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for His mercies are great. And let me not fall into the hand of man. We consider this matter of mercies. David said, boy, if I'm going to have to go through this punishment, if I'm going to have to go through this dealing, uh, this issue of because I've sinned, let me just put myself upon the mercy of God. Well, that's the best place. That's the safest place. I could ever find myself. Psalm 86 and 15. God is full of compassion. And plenteous in mercy and truth. So we see the provision. The provision is grace. Peace. Mercies. Those things are the ingredients that make up comfort. We see the person of comfort. God God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God's saying, and I think Paul's teaching us here, that in the time of trouble, that this is the one, the person that we're to go to. The person of comfort. But notice with me thirdly, notice the promise of comfort. The promise of comfort. Uh, notice again in verse number 4, the very first part. Who comforteth us in, say that word with me, all our tribulation here's the promise of comfort comfort us us in all our tribulation ours is this makes it personal this makes it where we are the here and now it's not a a a fine story that we read that took place long ago but it's where we are in the here and now 
hour. And it's not just a few of ours, but it's all of ours. Now, there is a qualification that you could put in this passage. I think it's biblically. We cannot anticipate or expect the comfort of God in our lives when the issue that we're dealing with is due to sin. We can't expect God to pour out His comfort and this all to work in the matter if, if there's sin in our lives, then we can't expect God's comfort to be there because it was our doing, it was our fault, and we willingly and, and disobediently walked into that. We can't expect God's comfort there. Although God is good enough to give us His mercy and His grace. But when it comes to the matter of faith and living our Christian life and, and even suffering for the cause of Christ and sacrificing for the cause of Christ, we can be guaranteed that it is God who gives us the provision, the person gives us the provision and the promise that we are comforted in all our tribulation. Don't miss that word all. Clay pots are... They have a tendency, we have a tendency to crack, don't we? So God handles with care. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 with me. Verses 11, excuse me, 7 to 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Here we are these clay pots. And God says He's going to take care of us. He's going to care for us. There's a sentence of death, and although we go through all of these things, and, and maybe not to the degree that the Apostle Paul did, but certainly, certainly the, the struggles of life as a Christian, we have the promise of the comfort that God gives. We are, literally, we are immortal in the flesh. We are immortal in the flesh until God takes us home. And then... We go on being immortal. It doesn't stop there. We are immortal in the flesh, in this earthen vessel, until God says, come home. Nothing can happen until God says, now's the time. And then even so, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Immortality does not end. It continues and goes forward Forever and forever and forever. It's a promise. I like what Webster said about 
his definition of a promise, it was this. A promise is a declaration made by one person to another which binds the person who makes it either in honor or in conscience or in law. With God, it binds him in all three. Honor, conscience, and law. And let me just add to this righteousness, holiness, perfection. Put all the attributes of God there that you, that you may. This is the promise that God makes to us. This is the one that makes it. It binds him in all of these things. But he goes on to say, a declaration, it's also which gives the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the performance of the act that's been promised. Did you get that? Not only is it binding upon the one who made it, but the one that received it is the right to expect or to claim the performance of the act that's been promised. So in other words... We can go to God expecting Him to fulfill His promise in this regard. See the provision, the person, the promise. Notice with me the purpose very quickly. Notice with me the purpose out of the second part of verse number 4. Who comforted us with all tribulation. In, excuse me. Comforted us in all our tribulation that we might be able. Here's the purpose. That we might be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort Wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. The purpose of comfort. The purpose of comfort. The purpose of God's comfort in our lives is not a dead end. When we go through the trials and troubles of life, the comfort that God gives us, it's not an end unto itself. It doesn't stop with us. It's not intended to. Rather, it's the means that God uses you and I to enable us to minister comfort to others. See, the God's comfort that He gives us is not a cul-de-sac. It just not stops, dead end street. It's a thoroughfare. It continues to go forward. And that's what Paul's saying here. It's the means that God uses to enable us to minister comfort to others. It's not that God drops out of the picture here. God didn't say, okay, it's yours, you deal with it. God didn't drop out of the picture at all. But now God is using you to minister, to be able to minister to somebody else. Who's going through the same troubles of life. He's now using you. He's enabled you to be able to minister to somebody else. So why am I going through all these trials and struggles? Well, there could be many reasons. But let me suggest that maybe one is that God is allowing me to go through these things so that I might be able to better minister to somebody else next month, next week, next year, five years from now. And so oftentimes we're looking for the maybe... The escape hatch out of these things rather than allowing God to work in my life to build into me so that I can minister to somebody else. God allows things in our life to, so that nobody but you and God's pl- preparing and planning for you to be that minister to somebody else that's going to go through those things. 
you may come to me and, and you may tell me of a trial and, 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 and my heart could be broken for you. And, and, and the common word would be, well, I understand, but let me say so many ways I don't understand. I can't understand. My heart is broken. But I can't really understand in some ways. Because I haven't walked in those shoes. But somebody else who has, does, and can. And you could be the minister that God uses. And God has allowed these things. And I hope you get that. God has allowed these things. So that I could better be able to minister. So that you could better be able to minister to someone else. That God has already planned to bring into your path. To bring into your life. We find here a double blessing. A double blessing that affliction can bring. What kind of blessings can affliction bring? Troubles bring. What was the blessings in all of this? Just get me off this roller coaster ride. But here we find a double blessing that affliction can bring. First of all, God comforts you in them. It's the experience of God comforting you, individual. Look at verse number 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. God's math always adds up to more. God's the best, best mathematician. When there's sufferings and issues of life, and when they abound, understand that God's comfort, God's grace, God's peace, God's mercies always add up to more. As trials abound, God comforts. God's comfort abounds more. My grace is sufficient for thee. Philippians 4 and 7, in the peace of God. Remember we mentioned that's one of the ingredients of comfort. The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a benefit. What a blessing. Blessing number one in affliction. Blessing number two that comes out of affliction. God comforts. God's comfort works through us. We've mentioned it to others. Verse number 6, and whether we be afflicted, it is for, notice in your Bibles, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which also we, we also suffer, or whether we be comforted. Notice again out of verse number 6, he says it again, it is for your consolation. We've been comforted. So that you can be comforted. And he mentions the word salvation. The comfort of God that's active in your life and in my life. Is the same comfort that God uses and activates in the life of another. And it can act in way of a consolation or of comfort. Or in Paul's case it can even bring about salvation. He mentions it out of this passage. People were seeing Paul's life and the way he went through these things. The trials that brought about salvation. 
I mentioned a few moments ago, Dr. Tom Farrell. Wow. Whatever God chooses to do, I believe there'll be great consolation and I believe there'll be great salvation through it all. Through it all. That's the way that God works. You see, there's a double blessing in the affliction. Our suffering and reliance upon God's comfort is the means of spiritual blessings to others who go through the same sufferings even to the matter of salvation. The word effectual here out of verse number 6, it has the idea of to be, to be active, to be operative. God's comfort in our lives is active, it's operative. It enables us to be active and operative in the life of another That's God's comfort. Sometimes God just allows us to go through those things to prepare us in that way. The God of all comfort. We're all needy. We're all needy. Some of you have experienced Him in ways that I cannot even begin to fathom. I can't even begin to fathom. And you know what I speak of when I speak of the comfort. Does it mean that all the hurt and all the pain is gone and absent? No, doesn't mean that. But I praise God that we got a blessed hope. It's found in Jesus Christ. He's the comfort. And I wish we could take time just to hear some of the stories tonight of how God, in a very, very difficult, hard time, carried you through it. And maybe ways in which you've been able to minister to somebody else that before you would have never even known how to begin. So when we start looking at all the troubles, the trials, the afflictions, all these things, maybe we'd allow God to help us to understand that there are blessings to be found even in the midst of them. The promise of comfort, grace, mercy, and peace. The person of comfort, it's God Himself. The promise, all our tribulation, the purpose... To experience the goodness of God and experience the ministry of God through us. I believe that's what Paul's trying to teach us here. Let's bow our hearts in a word of prayer.